This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams. We've got an awesome program for you today. Of course, uh, as always, in our first segment here, we talk about some of the uh, the techie, geeky news uh, that uh, is out there. I want to talk about this, though. This is going to be really interesting uh, over the next few years. Uh, a lot of copyrighted... Uh, uh, I guess, properties are going to be going into the public domain. Yes. So what does that mean? Number one, big example, Mickey Mouse. Remember Steamboat Willie? I do remember Steamboat Willie. Yes. Yeah. That is going to be going into the public domain. When? When? Uh, it's actually, it's already happened for a lot of these things. Okay. Um, so Mickey Mouse, um, I believe, is going to be next year. Let's take a quick look here. So yeah, Mickey Mouse, January 1st, 2024. Um, so that, that's the big one for Mickey. Mickey Mouse. Within you the think next Disney would uh, try to invent a time machine to go back in time? <laughs> so, so this is actually what's happened, right? In 1998, uh, a lot of companies, Disney especially, were looking at it and saying, we want to have a copyright extension. It used to be 50 years. They made it 70 years yeah. uh, after the death of the artist. Yeah. Um, and so Sonny Bono passed away that year. And so they named it the Sonny Bono Copyright Extension Act. And so for the last 20 years, we've been sitting here with no things going into public domain, yeah. um, uh, basically just sitting here with, a, with, with, with sort of a, a, a barren desert of new content coming into the, into the public domain. So what does public domain mean? It means that if you created something that was copyrightable, like Mickey Mouse, like Sherlock Holmes, like Lord of the Rings, um, you had exclusive access to publish things about that content. For a period of time. 50 years. 50 years. Now 70? Now 70. Okay. Um, So, you know, now the artists have passed away. Um, we can start to create new interpretive works. Now, Based Sherlock, on that. Sherlock Holmes is an interesting one because there were works created all the way through Arthur Conan Doyle's life. And so his estate, when the original Sherlock Holmes stuff started to enter into public domain, tried to push back against it and said, you know, until the last one was published, um, we, there should be no derivative works made. Oh, interesting. So How what, did that go? What the courts ruled was, actually, no, that's not correct. But what they can't do is they can't include things that were intru- introduced into the Sherlock Holmes canon Canon, um, until the until the copyright deadline for that had passed. So his you know supposed death at Reichenbach Falls, you couldn't actually include until the time had passed past that when that was published. Got it. So with Mickey Mouse, one of the things we're looking at. If you look at Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse doesn't have any gloves on. Yes. Right. So on January first, twenty twenty four, you can use the version of Mickey with no gloves. A can year, you call him Mickey? You can call him Mickey. Okay. Right, and okay. so and so we're looking at characters like Superman, like Batman. That's going to be huge yes. in the 2030s. Uh, Superman and Batman, the original versions, will be going into the public domain. They will. So we'll be able to create new stories about them. And this is for content creators. There's not enough stories about them now. <laughs> well, and so this is the interesting thing. You know, we're we're looking at the creative control over these characters has been in a very very uh, small space where you've got certain people that have control over it and they dictate what can be done with it, and that limits creatively what can happen with these characters and we've seen with things like fan fiction and different interpretations online that you can have incredibly creative things happen many many years ago there was a fan film of uh, batman versus predator okay and it was it was available on uh, this i think this was almost pre-youtube to be quite honest and incredibly cool no money could be made off of that because again it was a copyrighted character yes but it was an incredibly creative interpretation of what you could do with 
those characters. Very neat stuff. So uh, in 2025, uh, we will see the first version of Mickey who had gloves because it was a year after Steamboat Willie came out that he had gloves for the first time. So we're going to be able to start to see these characters again enter public domain. So anyone could start making content based on Mickey Mouse, that, that version, uh, and, and make money from it. That's correct. And no. call him Mickey Mouse. And, and there's, so there's one thing to keep in mind here, and this is what kind of muddies a little, a little bit, and that's trademark law. And so they retain the trademarks for these characters. So being able to trademark something about Mickey, you won't be able to do. You'll be able to use the character. You'll be able to interpret the character. So I could make some Mickey Mouse t-shirts. I could make uh, an online movie, a TV show, whatever I want, but I can't trademark it. That's correct. And it has to be that version of Mickey. I can't use today's Mickey Mouse. That's right. Now, so you could reinterpret that version of Mickey as long as it does not cross over into the place where it's using newer elements. So looking at things like colors, um, you know, we're, we're very familiar with Mickey with the yellow shoes and the red shorts. Yes. If you try to use that, that you would not be able to do that. But, but I could it, do crazy things to that Mickey. I could put a mohawk on him. You could. He can wear a funny hat. Yeah. Yeah. So this, is, this is really interesting stuff because it's going to lead to a but ton what about, of like, new... like Superman and Batman? Like, so Superman... That version of Superman is going to be back from the 30s, right? Yes. Where he, he didn't have the, the S that yeah. he has today. Yeah, it was, a, it was a triangle with an S in it. He couldn't fly, right? He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. He didn't fly until much later. Okay. So, um, you know, there are going to be elements of that where, we again, we won't be able to, to use those particular things until later. Um, you know, I don't believe his, his aversion to kryptonite showed up until uh, the, the Silver Age. Um, his, uh, his vulnerability to different types of kryptonite. You know, there's red kryptonite, there's gold kryptonite. You won't be able to use those for many, many years as well. Speaking of some of these characters, and we see a lot of this content in all the streaming services we have, uh, you know, these superhero uh, movies, TV shows, are we seeing uh, kind of the, uh, I guess, the end of an era for some of these franchises? Like the Avengers movie is going to be coming out uh, this year that basically is kind of the end of them. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars 9 will be the end of the this next trilogy. Um there's other oh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones season eight. Season eight, it'll be finished. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see the end of a, a ton of arcs that have happened over the course of the last, you know, five to ten years. Uh, Game of Thrones being a huge one. Um, you know, I, it's interesting because I I read the books and I actually stopped watching after season one because I was looking at it going, okay, well, I know most of the story and I'm just going to wait until I can kind of sit down and binge it. Yeah. So I'm going to be binging through uh, seasons two through seven during season eight so that I can catch up so I can watch the finale on the on the last day, um, just because, you know, I didn't have a ton of time to do this, so I'm going I'm to devote the time to do it now. Um, I wonder what this means for a lot of these, these streaming services, like HBO. Uh, that is a huge franchise for them. I know they're coming out with a prequel, but that's going to take time to get up and going and, you know, gain, gain steam. Uh, Disney, I know they uh, are launching their own Disney streaming app as well to compete against Netflix and Crave and all those guys. And they're coming out with a Star Wars TV series mm-hmm. to hopefully suck us into paying them a monthly subscription fee as well. Oh my God, subscription fees are killing me, Graham. <laughs> like, how are we going to afford all of these? Well, and, and you know, I mean, we've talked about it before. Are, are you going to be bundling services uh, to the point where we're getting all of this stuff together? Um, 
you know, I, I look I look at the content that I'm consuming right now, and are people a little exhausted by some of these these series? We saw that Solo didn't do uh, as well as uh, Disney thought it would. Yeah. They they dialed back on a lot of things. They they pulled back on the Boba Fett movie. Um, so I think we are starting to see some consumer fatigue in some of these areas. I uh, think so. There's like if I see another freaking Marvel superhero movie anytime soon, that will. It will just explode my head. Well, and the thing is, we, we've got them coming, right? Like I know, but Doctor I, Strange two is coming. Black Panther two is coming. So. I know, but I think it's too much. I mean, they're all desperate to have this content. I mean, we're really in the golden age of content, right? There's so much out there because all these streaming services are competing desperately to be the front leader and to compete against Netflix and you know take over the you know the the TV side uh, into this streaming age. Like CBS, uh, you know, they've got their all access app. Uh, and they've got Star Trek. They got a new Picard Star Trek series coming out as well mm-hmm. to lure people to their service. Yeah, and there were Star Trek short treks. I don't know if you saw these, but they take place in the Discovery universe, and they're like little fifty-minute episodes. Yes, I saw. Yeah. So you know how much is too much for some of these these shows? I mean, there's going to be a lot over the next five, ten years as they're all kind of you know grappling for uh, market share and for audience. Yeah, I, I know for myself, I've kind of I've reached a little bit of, of tensility on this. I, I I can't take too much more in the way of content because I just don't have time. Um, I think you and I have had this conversation a number of times with like, hey, have you seen this recent series? And I just look at you and I'm like, when would I watch that? Right. So you know what? Good luck to them. Interactive content seems to be the, that it might be the next big thing. Um, you we'll did, see. You did, you did Bandersnatch? Have you done this? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. yeah. I, there's something to be said for just sitting back and having a passive viewing experience you make, know make this happen for me yeah you know banner snatch it just i don't give me anxiety really like i had to sit there and make choices along along the way with the remote control like do you want to do this or that i'm like oh yeah anxiety and i just thought i just want to sit back and watch fair enough and you know what was it a great show it was okay if it didn't have the interactivity poof, i don't think it would have done that well to be honest okay interesting yeah i'm just saying <laughs> You're listening to Get Connected. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Get Connected is brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I want to talk artificial intelligence, and we have a great guest with us. His name is Naveen Rao, and uh, he is the artificial intelligence uh, guy over at Intel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I think when a lot of people think Intel, uh, they think Intel inside, the chips inside computers, but you guys are getting into many different types of platforms right now, and artificial intelligence is uh, a big one. Uh, Explain to our listeners what artificial intelligence platforms, what what do they cover? Artificial intelligence is really a a blanket term for a lot of different things. Uh, One aspect of it that's a common thread is finding structure and data that you can do something with. And uh, I would argue that the the, the purpose of a machine, a computing machine, is really to do that now. And so this actually hits to the core of what Intel has always delivered, is computing. And so if computing's evolving, we're evolving. And uh, Intel is actually going after the, the largest addressable market that we ever have in the past, something on the order of 300 billion plus. And uh, that's, artificial intelligence is a big part of that, being part of our core, but then uh, there's a huge expansion here where uh, companies are looking for ways to leverage their data to drive new experiences and new products and uh, new capabilities to their customers. Uh, you guys have really been getting into the autonomous uh, vehicle uh, market with uh, uh, your platform. Tell us what you guys are doing there. So uh, we acquired Mobileye about a year and a half ago now. 
Uh, Mobileye was the leading supplier of um, ADAS systems, so uh, uh, not, not necessarily autonomous, but uh, driver assistance systems. Uh, they're also working on autonomous driving. And so uh, it's, a, it's a big focus for us as, as a technology platform and, and technology play. We believe that autonomous systems, not just driving, are going to be a major part of how AI is delivered and adds value to the world. So uh, this is a long-term play. Um, it, it's something that uh, the technology can be uh, taken from an autonomous car and potentially even used in, in other scenarios. So um, looking at what an autonomous car is really doing, it's, a, it's, a, it's an autonomous agent moving through the world. All the problems of robotics and moving uh, any robot through the world are present there. We can solve them in this high value use case. We can actually start seeing this technology proliferate in many areas. What sets Intel apart from competitors in this space? Well, we have uh, many different assets we can pull from. Of course, we have the silicon engineering that's second to none. We can do things that no one else can do just in terms of building silicon. We also have novel packaging technology. Uh, we have Optane memory. We have the, the CPU architecture and software ecosystem. Uh, we have the channels and relationships with uh, different vendors to bring these things into market. Uh, and, you know, I think all of these combined uh, are, are something that no other company can really do. Saw some other applications uh, that you guys have been involved with. Uh, one was really interesting to me uh, in kind of the health space. Uh, it was this wheelchair uh, for uh, paralyzed people that you could move with facial expressions. Mm -hmm. how, how do you guys come up with this stuff? Well, I, I think it goes back to this uh, autonomous or semi-autonomous agent. Um, you know, finding value <laughs> in, in in these capabilities. So. Uh, an autonomous car actually has value because it can take people from one place to another uh, with little human intervention. In this case, there's a specific use case where uh, uh, some population of humans uh, has trouble getting around. They have some way to interact with the world, but not a way that can necessarily drive the dominant paradigm of how they might drive their uh, wheelchair around. So we can translate their output to something that um, allows them to move through the world. And that's, it seems simple uh, that you can drive a wheelchair with facial expressions, but there's a lot to it. You have to be able to recognize what's going on reliably, <clears throat> and you have to actually navigate through the world and not hit things. So all of these things combined actually are only present today, uh, these, these technologies. You're new to Intel. I think you've been with them for two years now. What, what's your biggest challenge going forward? Uh, I mean, challenges are abundant. Uh, I think uh, competition is, is stiff. Um, which makes us build better technology. Uh, you know, how the market's going to evolve is it's just unclear to many people. Um, you know, we're building something that, uh, we're building to a vision that we believe of the future, uh, what the future is going to look like. But uh, five years out, it's very murky because the space is evolving so fast. So I'd say the biggest thing that keeps me up at night is exactly how is the space going to be evolved? How is, uh, how are consumers going to take up the technology and also the people who build those technologies, the, the build the end, the platforms that end consumers use. How are they going to use what we build, and uh, and deliver technologies effectively? That's just very very unclear. I have uh, a lot of listeners that uh, have voiced that they're concerned about artificial intelligence. What's what's your message to them? So artificial intelligence, as I mentioned at the beginning, is a tool. It's uh, another way for us to look at the world and make better decisions. A single human can take in more data and make a, a, a well, more well-informed decision than they could before, because otherwise you're limited by what you can read with your eyes or hear with your ears. So I think these 
Uh, doom and gloom scenarios are not quite real. Uh, we like to anthropomorphize any new technology. It's happened from the beginning of time. I've watched a lot of Terminator movies. Myself, too. <laughs> I, I, I grew up on uh, a steady diet of sci-fi yes. as, as a kid. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, I've used as a motivation, uh, actually, to, to build new technologies. But, you know, those are, those are scenarios that are entertaining. Yeah. But the reality is uh, a system we build will have bounds put on it. We're engineers, after all. We don't build a bridge and say, I, I, I think it'll hold a truck. <laughs> no, you build a bridge and you say, I know it's going to hold yeah. this weight. And yes. I know what the bounds are. And I know where they break. And that's the same thing with any engineered system. We know precisely what it's meant to do and what it's not meant to do. Of course, there are going to be people who try to take technologies and, and use them for evil. And uh, even today, we're already thinking about the ethical implications of, of our tools. Uh, we want to figure out ways to at least alert the user that there's, there's bias in what they're deploying or um, you know, maybe there's some things they need to think about but before they, they deploy their solution. So I, I think there's enough groundswell around um, putting some bounds around different uh, uh, AI solutions that we're going to have great tools in five years where I, I don't see these doom and gloom scenarios playing out. And I, honestly, I don't see machines having uh, a malintent against humanity. <laughs> it's what we program them. It's what do. we program them to do. And not only that, again, since they're tools, uh, you know, our, our uh, humanity actually evolves along with them. I mean, I would argue my, my kids' humanity is different from mine. They're, half of their brain lives in a cell phone uh, today. So it's not like a new concept. We're going to be more well integrated with machines and each other and, our, uh, and data around us as time goes on. In 100 years, maybe what it means to be a human is to be cybernetic. Who knows? But that's not a bad thing. It's just Are you cybernetic, Nivi? I'm trying to get there. I have okay. some titanium <laughs> in me. Um, you know more machine than man kind of a thing. <laughs> not, not quite uh, achieving my goals yet, though. Very cool. We're talking with Naveen Rao from Intel. He's uh, the head of the artificial intelligence uh, over uh, at uh, the company. Thanks for joining us today. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking Huawei. We'll get an update on what's happening with 5G here in Canada and also some leaked internal memos from TELUS and Bell supporting the company. All that and more when we come back. Well, uh, a lot of new smartphones will be launching uh, coming up here in the next couple of months. Uh, the Mobile World Congress happening in late February is uh, the time for a lot of the Android manufacturers to launch their latest wares. On the line, we have our good friend Igor Bonifacic from MobileSyrup.com to uh, give us thoughts on uh, Samsung and what they might be announcing. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, Samsung, obviously one of the, the biggest smartphone manufacturers in the world. Everyone's always anticipating their latest uh, phone. Uh, this time, I believe it's going to be the Galaxy S10 and perhaps even a foldable phone, which we'll get to uh, in a few minutes. But let's start with the S10. What are you hearing out there? So we're hearing that they're going to take perhaps a kitchen sink approach this year with as many as five models. Um, and so for the first time, Samsung might offer an entry level one called Delight, and obviously 5G is you know a big thing this year. So uh, there may be as many as two uh, 5G models. One that is going to be specific to Verizon in the U.S. Um, whether that one comes, you know, whether the Light and the 5G phone come to Canada, I'm not so sure uh, for a variety of reasons. So I think it's safe to say though we'll get you know the standard S10 and then the S10 Plus. Um, and this year, you know, Samsung has been the one company that has, uh, instead of embracing the notch, they've kind of stayed away from that. And this year they're planning to do something called the Infinity O, which is basically, it's like a, 
display punch out that's going to be in the top corner where the camera is going to sit. So it's going to be from a design perspective of an interesting phone. Well, you know, let's talk about 5G, Igor. Uh, 5G is the uh, the next network standard that uh, cell phones will be working on. Uh, it'll be faster, lower latency, meaning, uh, you know, data web pages are going to come up that much faster. Do you think people should be concerned uh, about getting a 5G phone now? Or are we still a couple years away? Um, in Canada, at least, you know, I don't think manufacturers are going to sell 5G phones because, quite frankly, the spectrum needed to, you know, for network, for carriers to roll out 5G just hasn't been auctioned out yet. Um, we're looking at maybe like at the earliest, probably 2019. Um, and I think, you know, realistically, the soonest you'll see these phones come and these networks uh, come online is 2020. And then even then, like, it's not going to mean a lot for most Canadians because the nature of 5G is such that like it really only makes sense, um, at least in the like initial stages in big cities like Toronto, like Vancouver, like Montreal. Um, so it's something that like if you're just an average consumer, I would not really worry about. And in fact, you know, there was something that like the uh, CEO of OnePlus said where he's like he's expecting these 5G phones to be as much as 200 to 300 dollars more expensive. So 4G, quite honestly, is pretty awesome already. Why would you spend another $300 on like what is probably going to be a marginally faster phone? That might not even be able to take advantage of uh, the network because it might not be available where you are. Why do you think they're going to be coming out with so many different models of the phone, Igor? Um, you know, so I think... Um, so the light one is the one that makes, I think, the most sense. It's like, let's, you know, take a lot of the great so it's the iphone xr of the s10 lineup right um where they're going to try and pack kind of the best features of the s10 into a more affordable package and i think a lot of that just comes from the fact that like samsung feels the pinch from these chinese manufacturers who make these phones that are you know quite honestly incredible especially for the price and so they i think realize that they need to compete on price um, when it comes to these smartphones. And so I think that is a lot of the impetuous between, behind just releasing more models. And then obviously, you know, with the 5G end of it, it's really is like, you know, Verizon and these American carriers, they love their exclusives. So you have to, you know, like, uh, it's not so much that you as the consumer are the customer, it's these carriers that are the main customers of Samsung. And so they have to ta uh, tailor these phones for them. Are we starting to run out of wow for flagship phones, do you think, Igor? Like, uh, you know, how much more of a compelling reason will it be for consumers to upgrade to this latest phone? Are they going to come up with something miraculous in this iteration? No, I think, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is to say, like, these phones aren't exciting anymore. In a lot of sense, they are just you know, the new car model, right? Like, yeah, it's better than your, like the previous model, but there's really like, if you have an existing smartphone, there's not a lot of reason to upgrade besides the camera. Really, that's the one area where they're advancing these smartphones and it's in the camera. So unless you feel like the camera is not up to snuff or what you want, then just keep your current phone. <laughs> Let's talk about the foldable phone rumor now. We've uh, seen prototypes of foldable screens. Uh, LG even uh, announced a, uh, a rollable uh, LED TV back at the Consumer Electronics Show. We're hearing rumors now that Samsung might actually announce a foldable smartphone. What, what are you hearing about that? 
Yeah, so it's expected to happen on the 20th, which is the same day that they're going to announce the S10. And what's interesting about this is like, this is kind of going to be their iPhone 10 moment because this is, you know, S Galaxy S10. So the 10th iteration of the Galaxy S series uh, lineup. And this is like the moment where they're going to show off this phone. You know, it's not just going to be like a pair of screens in a case. It's going to be like, here is the phone. Um, as f like the one thing that hasn't really come out is like what the functionality of this phone looks like and like how it's going to like when you're using it, what it's going to look like in the moment to moment. And that's something that I'm kind of like really hesitant about, which is like, you know, what is the compelling reason to use a foldable phone over your standard phone? Like, um, you know, like the one thing that they're suggesting about this phone is you're going to be able to like fold it out and then it's the size of a tablet. But the thing about that is like, you know, the tablet market has shrunk exactly for the reason that our phones are so big right now, right? <laughs> like you, why do you need a, like a 10 inch iPad when you have a six inch smartphone, right? So um, I think there's a lot of questions that Samsung has to answer with this phone. And quite honestly, they also have to hit like every aspect of it out of the park because this is going to be an expensive device. Like I think were it to come to Canada, it'd probably easily be $2,000, right? So it really has to be a compelling piece of tech for it, for it to be something more than just a fad or a momentary blip. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know they've been working on this technology for a few years now, but I'm just wondering, is it ready for prime time? Have they worked the, the kinks out of uh, this uh, this type of uh, screen yet? And, you know, having such a big announcement, uh, you know, for their, uh, you know, S10 model, and who knows what this one's going to be uh, called, uh, you know, will it, uh, will it shine? Will it be a, a showstopper? Will people really want to have this device? Yeah, so one of my colleagues, Patrick, he went to CES for Mobile Syrup. Um, and at CES, there was this one Chinese company showing off the world's first foldable phone. And you can read a lot of hands-on with it. And essentially, the experience is terrible. Like, you will flip out the phone, and then it won't know what to do in that situation. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of that just speaks to the fact that, like, Android is not ready for foldable phones, right? That's not something that Google has put a lot of work into. They're doing it currently. But, you know, like the soonest we'll see like these fold uh, Android specifically ready for foldable phones is Android Q, which is still a couple months away. So there's, as you like said, there's like so many questions left about these phones. Um, we'll see. Like, I, I'm not sure that the technology is ready. Now, granted, like Samsung is a completely different company. They have so much resources or so many resources, excuse me. Um, so... I feel like their ability to execute is significantly higher, but it's still, there's so many question marks. We're talking with Igor Bonifacic from mobilesyrup.com, a great resource to find out all about mobile news, smartphones, data plans. And we've been chatting about the new uh, Samsung Galaxy S10 phone that's uh, going to be announced in the next few weeks and perhaps a foldable smartphone. Are you ready for a foldable smartphone? I don't know if I am yet, but I'm uh, excited to see what uh, that might look like. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Thanks for having me, Mike. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Huawei still in the news. Uh, we've got their CFO here in Vancouver still waiting on potential extradition down to the U.S., 
Also waiting to hear from the Canadian government if they're going to ban 5G technology uh, and equipment from the company as well. On the line to help us uh, understand it all, we've got our expert Shruti Shakar from MobileSyrup.com. Thanks for joining us, Shruti. Thanks for having me, Mike. So what is the latest? We've got the CFO still cooling her heels here in <laughs> Vancouver. Are the Americans going to do anything? Yeah, so from my understanding, um, the U.S. is actually going to be filing an extradition paper uh, by the end of this month. So anytime between now and January 31st, we have no idea when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And that basically means that her case will then go to the courts and um, will be decided. She, they will have to basically look at her case, whether she has con con committed any issues or any crimes um, that would require her to be extradited to, to the U.S., and, and then the U.S. can deal with her, basically. And then on the other side, we have the government, which is basically determining whether Huawei should be banned or not. And I think that they are under a lot of pressure, not only with their allies in the U.S., New Zealand, Australia, but also many other countries. And now they're just basically trying to figure out whether Huawei should even be in the 5G network, like supplying 5G network equipment or not. Well, that is an interesting question because uh, we've just seen uh, a leaked uh, memo from TELUS uh, to their employees basically uh, stating their position on the investment that they're making into Huawei equipment, uh, saying that they're going to continue to partner with Huawei on 5G network equipment here in Canada. Do you think there's uh, any risk to that? I, they, they say they've got over a billion dollars invested. You know, I, I can't say whether it's a risk or not because <laughs> I'm not in TELUS right now, but I think that's why they wanted to put out that memo. And I think Bell did the same thing as well recently, putting out a memo to their employees saying that, you know, we're still going to be working with Huawei. And you're right. They have invested billions of dollars. And I think that's why there's a lot of concern because if Huawei gets banned, they're basically going to have to remove all this infrastructure that's already been implemented, and that's billions of dollars that's going to be charged on the carriers, not the government. So I think that's why there is this whole idea of wanting to assuage the um, employees and try to be like, hey, listen, we're still working with Huawei, you guys calm down. Um, but whether <laughs> or not that's going to happen, I, I really don't know. I have no idea. I think at this point, Justin Trudeau might be forced to ban it because there are so there's so much pressure on Canada, but we won't know until that decision actually gets made public. Well, it'll be interesting uh, if you look at the uh, the Bell internal memo. They're basically telling their staff that there are no issues with Huawei smartphones. Uh, just the 5G network uh, equipment. Mm -hmm. So obviously they're having some issues with uh, folks out there purchasing Huawei <clears throat> smartphones, uh, wanting to return them. Yeah, and I think that's something that needs to be really clarified. There's a huge difference between handsets and 5G network technology infrastructure. Um, the smartphones this, that's being provided by Huawei, that's completely different. Those smartphones don't even have 5G technology in it yet. Those smartphones are 4G-enabled LTE technology. So all the phones that we currently have, like Samsung sells these same type of phones, um, iPhone says, sells these same type of phones, So like, or Apple rather. So really that that's the difference. And I think because Huawei is embroiled in this, you know, contentious issue, um, people are afraid that if they use this phone, will I will I get having issues? Will I be part of this? Am I connected to this whole thing? So I think that's why there is an issue. And I think that's why Bell and Telus are both saying, yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with our handsets, but we're still, you know, 
it's just the 5G network that's being looked into. And, and the network part is what is going to enable smart homes to function, going to enable autonomous vehicles to function, and even more, probably help rural fixed internet connections in parts of Canada where internet isn't even available. We're talking with Shruti Shakar from MobileSyrup.com, a fantastic website for uh, all your smartphone reviews. Uh, and also uh, data plans uh, as well. Shruti, I want to thank you so much for joining us again on the show. Thank you very much, Mike. When we come back from the break here on Get Connected, if you've got an Amazon Echo speaker, we've got some new skills for you to make the most out of it. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. It's our final segment, and that's time for... Our voice skills segment. A lot of people have Amazon Echo speakers. If you do, you got to listen. So we've got a few uh, voice skills that you can add to make uh, your Amazon Echo speaker even cooler. What do we got, Graham? Uh, so this week we've got uh, everyday positivity. So this is a flash briefing skill uh, that you can add to your flash briefing on a daily basis that will help lift your day and put you in the right state of mind. Uh, so what this will do is just uh, add it to your flash briefing and it will give you a positivity boost. Uh, it starts to tell you some good things, some good vibes, good news, and it's a good way to start your day with a little bit of a pick-me-up. Very cool. And again, uh, explain how listeners can get the flash briefing on their Amazon Echo speaker. Go into your Amazon uh, Alexa app and uh, select your different apps and add flash briefing-based skills to uh, your Amazon Echo device. And so in this case, you would search for, uh, this is called Everyday Positivity Flash Briefing. You add that in and that will add that to... Uh, so you can add different things to your flash briefing. You can, Like yeah. CKNW. CKNW, CBC, you can choose a bunch of different news sources and get all of that in one go. That's cool. And it'll just read that out to you when you ask it. Yep. And how do you ask it? I <laughs> say the word, Alexa. Play my flash briefing. We're sending off Alexas all over the, all over the, the country <laughs> right now. Sorry. Uh, our second skill of the week is Olympic trainer, and so this is actually a really handy way to get a workout in. <laughs> Just to go to the Olympics, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. So what it will do is it'll, it will turn your device into a trainer for you, and it gives you three unique trainer personalities. It's got a cheerleader that's very bubbly. It's got a friend who's kind and encouraging, and a drill sergeant who can be downright demanding. So the basic version of the skill includes a basic system of, of exercises, and so it gives you a routine that you can work on. You can also get a premium version for a couple of bucks a month that will let you design your own custom workout, uh, even using your own voice. So you can record your own voice clips. Um, you can have one for morning, one for evening, one for yoga, one for stretching, and one for each individual family member, uh, should you want. We all start at level one, and it actually has some gamification here, so you can progress uh, through different levels and level up as you exercise. Very cool. And that is called Olympic Trainer. Olympic Trainer. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty neat. That's all the time we have left for today's show. Graham, tell our uh, listeners where they can get our podcast. Uh, we are love podcasting, so if you want to find us, you can find us on iTunes as a podcast. You can find us on Spotify or anywhere that good podcasts are downloadable. And uh, I also encourage you to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It happens every Sunday here on CKNW 980. It goes across the Chorus Radio Network to a number of our sister stations. And we talk about all the latest and greatest apps for your smartphone, your smart TV, and uh, your tablets. There's some really cool stuff. I encourage you to tune in. And uh, that's available on podcast as well. Yes, it is. iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. So all the time we have left, Mike and Graham logging off for Get Connected. We will see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. 
Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.